This is On Target, a look at politics, crime, education, what's happening in Newfoundland and Labrador with the people who know. The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station. And now your On Target host, Linda Swain. Well, good afternoon, everyone. Richard Duggan here in the VOCM studios with you this afternoon. Linda Swain is off today, so I'm taking the reins on what has been an absolutely beautiful uh, Wednesday so far here in the metro region, VOCM Valley, some blue skies out there. And I tell you what, that does my mind a little bit of good to see that, some nice weather. And that fits in nicely with the topic of today's show, that being, of course, mental health. Today is Bell Let's Talk Day, a day where we focus on mental health and encourage people to reach out and talk about it. Now, before uh, we move on to today's guest on the program, uh, I just want to say that, you know, if you're out there and you're struggling or you're in need of support, there are several avenues out there that you can take uh, to get what you need and get the supports that you need. And, you know, there is never any shame uh, in reaching out to someone when you need it. Uh, some of the supports that are out there in this province include the Provincial Warm Line, Bridge the Gap, 811, Kids Help Phone, just to name a few. And as well, of course, uh, the Canadian Mental Health Association in this province can hook you up with support as well if you don't know where to turn. Uh, it's so important to take care of your mental health folks. Uh, so please, again, if uh, you're in need of support, please reach out. Now, with that being said, of course, today is Bell Let's Talk Day, and my guest on today's program is mental health advocate Glenn Royal. Glenn joins me now by phone. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Richard. Uh, to yourself, Dave Williams, and to the listeners uh, across the province. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, uh, Glenn. Of course, uh, an important day uh, for mental health advocates uh, across the entire globe today uh, as we get the conversation rolling about mental health. Uh, but Glenn, I guess uh, just before we start off, you know, uh, for those who maybe don't know uh, about you or some of the advocacy work that uh, you've done, just give us a little bit of background about uh, yourself and some of uh, the advocacy that you've been doing. Yeah, thank you very much, Richard. Uh, my background, I've been involved with the mental health advocacy well over 30 years now at all. Uh, involved with uh, stuff including the Canadian Mental, health, Canadian mental health Association from a national level. Um, also uh, work in the province uh, with Channel uh, now uh, LifeWise, as well as with the Community Coalition for Mental Health. Uh, help spur the doorways program in terms of making sure that got launched many years ago at all. And um, also a recent recipient in the 2021 Newfoundland Labrador Human Rights Champions Award for Mental Health. And uh, last year I was honored by the National Alliance of Mental Illness from the United States, first and only Canadian to be honored by the, with the 2022 Lionel Albridge Champions uh, Award sort of thing. So uh, very uh, humbled and honored, uh, but making sure that mental health gets the right need and the right visibility with government business and the community because it is a major health issue, a major crisis that still exists in the, in the world. And Glenn, uh, you just touched on, of course, it is a, a major issue for many people. And of course, you know, it's, it's a major topic, you know, 365 days a year, not just today, but, you know, there is a focus being put on mental health uh, for today. So Glenn, you know, an initiative like Bell Let's Talk, why is it so important, uh, especially in terms of getting the ball rolling and talking about our mental health? Well, I think, you know, regardless of uh, people's stands on uh, the Bell Let's Talk uh, being one of the major Amer or Canadian corporations that's undertaken this at all, 
it's the perspective that they have to take that initiative at all. So they have to be applauded for doing that, even though a lot of people say it's a free marketing day for the corporation. But, you know, it gets people the visibility and the comfortability to get out and have that conversation. You know, if somebody is going through heart disease, cancer, any other sort of uh, physical illness, there's never an issue to talk. But when it comes for people dealing with anxiety, depression, PTSD, and many other mental health challenges, people are very much reluctant to say that they're challenged with it sort of thing. So it's, uh, it's encouraging that we have moved, but we still have to go further. Do you think that people are talking about their mental health more today than they were, say, five or even three or four or five years ago? Yes, they are. Um, and I think, like you say, initiatives like Bill, uh, the Understanding Changes campaign the provincial government had a few years ago, which I was one of the faces on that. Uh, I think people are, but there's still a lot of people. The shame and the stigma is still out there. And I think especially with the male population, uh, you know, as you know, little boys have grown up over the years, don't feel like they can talk about their feelings and their emotions and their issues versus uh, girls and, and women sort of thing. And I think that's starting to lever, but it's still there's a lot of people that just won't talk about it. What is the benefit of just talking? You know, if you're feeling, uh, you know, overwhelmed, you feel like your mental health is suffering, what is the benefit of just even just reaching out to a friend and, and just talking about what's going on? Well, I think the benefit is that you're making a connection with somebody, uh, you're being a bit vulnerable, which I think that deepens that relationship, and uh, you're being authentic and knowing that when you do open up, Others open up at all, so I think it spurs knowing that you're not alone and there's help and there's a lot of resources. And it's just the perspective of making that first call, reaching out to a friend, somebody in the community, one of the resources at all. Because once you do get connected, you feel much better at all and knowing that you don't have the struggle in silence. Now, you mentioned a little while ago, of course, about the stigma that uh, can surround mental health and and, and being able to and and making people feel comfortable in reaching out and talking about it. How do you think that we're doing in terms of addressing those stigmas and making people feel more comfortable to say, hey, you know what, I'm struggling right now. I need to get some help. Um, I think it's. Uh, it, it's good because, you know, we're making that progress, but I think it's the perspective. It's not just, you know, people that are willing to, you know, like myself and advocates and many others to get out and talk, but it's getting into the institution of healthcare because there's a lot of systemic issues where people that have may come up from an older generation versus say some of the newer healthcare professionals may not uh, truly understand or comprehend uh, what people are going through this day and age. So I think it's, it's education on so many levels to, you know, individuals that are living with it, family and friends, that they need their own support, the general public, and more importantly, the various institutions, health care, uh, education, justice, so on and so forth. And it's good, too, to be proactive, I guess, for, uh, you know, e- even if you're not necessarily struggling as much as some other people might be, you know, to reach out to your friends and say, hey, you know, are you doing okay today? Um, you know, how are you doing? Uh, I guess it's important to uh, for people to be proactive in that way as well. Oh, absolutely. I always keep saying, especially I think in the winter periods, especially, you know, we went through the snowmageddon and, you know, this last weekend's, uh, you know, weather event. 
when people had to get out and kind of shovel, they kind of start having conversations with the neighbors versus, you know, the other parts of the uh, the seasons, you know, fall, the spring, the summer, where, you know, people just get in the vehicles, go to work, go to school, do whatever, you know, they have to do on a daily basis. And I think the sense of really healing in community is, is really important, even the day that we're all kind of connected on social media and all various technology, which is a great thing because it gives the ability for people to connect, but it also, I think, creates a lot more spiral in terms of people's wellness because they see things that are posted and they need to achieve that. And I always keep saying, everybody will achieve what they meant to be achieved in this life. Some people may take longer than others, but, you know, no judgment. You know, be, be compassionate, be understanding, and be sympathetic. And I'm glad you mentioned, too, about especially during the winter months, for example, you, uh, people are affected by the change in the weather and, you know, the the longer, darker, colder days. Um, and, and, of course, the, you know, the season, being seasonally effective, affected is something that uh, also needs to have that attention as well. Most definitely at all. I mean, as you know, the fall kicks in and, you know, the days get darker at all and, you know, people start to hibernate because of weather and storms and so on and so forth. Um, you know, it, it's really important to reach out to your loved ones, your family and friends, your neighbours, just to see if everybody's doing well and uh, if people can get out and actually, uh, you know, get some of that vitamin D because, you know, as we all know, living in this province, you know, we are kind of challenged by that in terms of our weather conditions. And, I mean, even if, you know, during the day you can get out for a lunch hour for five or ten minutes, to get a bit of that vitamin D, nice sunshine. It makes it makes a world of difference for your, your ability to function, sleep, eat, so on and so forth. My guest on On Target today is Glenn Royal. He's a mental health advocate, and today we are talking about all things mental health on this. Of course, today is Bell Let's Talk Day, putting the focus um, on people's mental health. Glenn, we have to go to a break right now, uh, but we'll be back in a couple of minutes, and we're going to continue this conversation when we come back. Weekdays on VOCM, it's Open Line with your host, Patty Daly. Join the conversation each morning from 9 a.m. to noon on your VOCM. We get people talking. Welcome back to the show. Richard Duggan here today filling in for Linda Swain, who is off this afternoon. And on today's edition of the program, we're talking all things mental health. And my guest today is advocate Glenn Royal. And Glenn, um, off the top of the program, you know, I mentioned uh, just some of the resources that I'm aware of uh, that people can turn to if, you know, they feel like they need a little bit of help or if they feel that they're struggling. Uh, What are some of the supports that are out there that, you know, if, if someone's listening to this program right now and they feel like they, they need somewhere to turn, uh, what would you say to them? Where can they go? Well, I think you made mention of some very good resources, if it's the Provincial War Online or CMHA. Um, I would also say Wellness Together Canada, an initiative that came out of the federal government from the uh, pandemic back in April 2020 at all. Uh, they have a website and they have a phone number where people can reach out for uh, counseling services, as well as the Mental Health Commission of Canada uh, has great resources uh, for individuals and for businesses and organizations uh, dealing with that. Uh, and if not, uh, you know, reach out to uh, other groups that are doing uh, either mental health uh, with the regional health authorities or, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, informal groups with churches and other faith-based organizations that uh, are also doing that as well. Are we seeing more people uh, these days availing of these services? Yes, yes, they are. Do you have any uh, any numbers there? Uh, you know, in in terms of people who are using these uh, any of these resources, say on an annual basis. Uh, I, I think, especially during the pandemic, uh, I don't have any numbers right hand handy with me, but I think the numbers have probably increased. Uh, you know, at least probably by half. 
uh, knowing that uh, a lot of more people have struggled through the pandemic uh, and also now uh, through this economic and cost of living crisis sort of thing. So, uh, yeah, the, the demand is there. How do you think we're doing in terms of promoting these supports? I know, for example, that here in the newsroom, uh, you know, we're all familiar with some of the supports that are out there, but then we'll get calls from people who are wondering where to turn. And I find that there's still a lot of people out there who maybe are unaware that some of these services exist. Yes, absolutely. And I think that's the the initiative uh, government health authorities, uh, GPs, family doctors, community nurses really need to uh, also tap into resources that they may not know to uh, give their patients or clients access to services at all because, you know, as much as stuff are promoted and, you know, like they say, uh, they call the uh, the health line at 811, uh, there, there may be things there that they may not be you know, uh, known of sort of thing. So uh, uh, just keep reaching out to wherever you can and, uh, you know, the rectal mental health organizations. And if not, uh, reach out to anybody that's in the healthcare arena. They should know the resources. What's your assessment of where we where our services are right now and what more is needed? Um, I think a big thing that's really required now is the long-term mental health care at all uh, due to the fact that, you know, people can get the single session through the doorways program as well as, uh, you know, some other sort of services. But, you know, when people have dealt with long-term mental health issues and a lot of trauma and PTSD, uh, they need longer than a number of sessions that's either offered by the uh, public health system or the EEP program. And of course, you mentioned the, um, you know, the need for more longer term, I guess, mental health supports there. And uh, one of the big initiatives that uh, government has been uh, touting over the last number of years is, of course, the um, the new mental health and addictions facility that uh, they're building here in St. John's. have you or any of the other uh, any of the organizations that you've been involved with uh, been involved in the consultations on that new facility and i guess what's your hope for what that's going to do for mental health uh, here in the province well i hope what comes out of that is that uh, it, it becomes you know kind of the the state of the art or the center of excellence for mental health and addictions for the people of the province uh, and and move from the victorian antiquated uh, Building and and services that were at or that currently still operate at Waterford Hospital at the Waterford Hospital uh, to uh, a much more caring, compassionate, understanding, accepting, and uh, you know I mean you can have all the most shiniest uh, you know uh, buildings with all the, you know the state of the art technology, but if a lot of the staff don't understand the difference between the medical model versus the recovery model at all, and having that voice of lived experience to be uh, kind of the center point of, of wellness at all, that's what's going to be critically needed to uh, reduce the stigma, more importantly, give people uh, the treatment and the services they need and a good quality of life. Uh, you mentioned there the medical model versus the recovery model. Uh, just explain what, what that is and what's the difference there. Yeah, the medical model is the perspective where uh, going back so many years that the the mental health professionals or healthcare professionals in general would have the best understanding for a patient that's dealing with mental illness or an addiction. What the recovery model has been for the last number of years, uh, it's around the perspective of engaging people with lived experience, knowing what can be best practices to be brought into the healthcare system and the mental health care system at all, and really having them uh, to work along with the other mental health professionals in the system, psychiatrists, psychiatrists, nurses, social workers, so on and so forth, uh, to knowing that 
you know, the, the individual can guide the direction better than, say, a doctor or psychiatrist. Do you think that the province is doing a good job of moving more towards that recovery model and, and implementing that in terms of the, the programs that we have or even the facilities that uh, we either have or that they're now building? Yeah, I think we have moved uh, compared to what we have many years ago, but I think it comes back to uh, the big thing, Richard, is that uh, we need the allocation of finances to be dedicated to mental health services in this province, and more importantly, the mental health professionals, uh, so that they can deal with people that are dealing with all kinds of mental health issues, uh, no different than the other issues of the healthcare crisis we have in this province sort of thing. So it boils down to priority, uh, money, and people. You just read my mind, Glenn. Yeah, you, you move right ahead to what my next question was going to be, and it's about the Canada health transfers from uh, the federal government, uh, especially with respect to mental health. Um, how, are, how are we doing there right now, and what do you think uh, we should be receiving from the federal level in order to get um, our services to where you think they need to be? I think the, the number needs to go up. Um, I don't know if it was back in 2017 or 2019 that there was bilateral agreements between the provinces and the federal government uh, with the minister at the time, uh, Jeanette Piricott-Taylor, uh, and when Mr. Hagee was in the portfolio of health. Um, and it was allocated for mental health and addictions and some other health care concerns in the province. But I think the number needs to go up tremendously at all, knowing that there's so many more people, as I've said previously, uh, that has gone through this pandemic that has realized that they've had mental health issues that wasn't there prior to the pandemic. So um, hopefully the the provinces and the federal government come to an agreement and mental health becomes the, the priority uh, going forward, because if not, it's going to become a, a bigger health care crisis uh, in the system. And as we, we've been talking about uh, a lot over the past year, especially, you know, uh, we have shortages in just about every sector um, of healthcare right now. How is that impacting the ability to deliver services and deal with uh, the increased mental health needs, given the fact that while we're also dealing with um, these uh, staffing shortages and, and the challenges around that, but we're also seeing, you know, the increase in the cost of food and we're also seeing, you know, people are still struggling with the mental health impacts of the pandemic. So what sort of an impact is that having now on on the ability to deliver those services, given the increased challenges that we're facing? Well, I think, you know, there's potentially, I know government doesn't say that there's wait lists, but there is wait lists out there at all. You know, I've seen them and, and I know people that are working the system, knowing how backlogged the system are. Uh, you know, it's great that there's programs like the doorways, which what I had a hand help launching here and other things. But uh, again, if you don't have the people to staff these, uh, you know, services at all, and the demand is going up, there's going to be a crack in the system. And as you said, Richard, you brought up a very uh, valid point around, you know, the cost of living, you know, food crisis. And hopefully there could be a, a tying with the all-party committee that uh, Mr. John Abbott is cheering now uh, on basic income with, uh, with the, the health portfolio with Mr. O Tom Osborne, uh, because everything goes hand in hand. You know, when people have your basic essentials in terms of, you know, a, a decent and a safe and affordable roof over their head, good quality food at all, uh, you know, access to, you know, proper employment and education opportunities at all, people's mental health will stay well. Now, if people do not have those particular basic needs at all in life, they're going to be challenged. And more importantly, down the road, if, if those issues aren't addressed today, you know, it's not like committees then we need to be sitting for a long period of time. 
the issue has been there for a while. It needs to be action on, timelines are given. Otherwise, it's going to become a greater issue to the healthcare system, also uh, to the criminal justice system, because people will go out and do things uh, that will be illegal just to try to maintain a quality of life. We're speaking with mental health advocate Glenn Royal on today's edition of On Target. We're up against another break here now, but when we come back, I want to continue the conversation around the need for more healthcare professionals in the system to help deal with some of the complex mental health issues that are out there. So we're going to continue that conversation now in a couple of minutes when we come back. Join us for On Target, one hour in which Linda Swain examines topics that mean the most to you. On Target, weekday afternoons at 1 on your VOCM. And welcome back. Richard Duggan in the studio with you this afternoon. Linda Swain is off today and on today's edition of the program, uh, we're talking about mental health and we have advocate Glenn Royal on the line uh, today to discuss that. And Glenn, right before the break, we were talking about uh, the need for adequate staffing levels in our healthcare facilities to be able to deal with the complex uh, mental health needs that are out there today. And, you know, in talking about those complexities, you know, we, we say the term mental health, but obviously there's a lot more underneath the surface of that, uh, you know, and it's a lot more complex. If we don't have enough mental health professionals as a whole, how do we balance with some of the more specific needs that are out there underneath uh, mental health uh, that would require specialized training? Well, I would think that uh, maybe governments provincially and and, fed, and the federal government uh, to invest in the various uh, learning institutions, universities and colleges across the country and the province uh, to uh, open up more seats uh, for those specialties that's going to be required because I really feel of talking to a number of individuals uh, that there is a... Um, almost like a landslide coming of, of a generation, younger generation that has come through this pandemic that still has major issues. There's, you know, number of issues of older populations at all. And I don't think if they can't get on top of this now of getting the various disciplines for these longer term mental health challenges at all, we're really going to have a pandemic uh, on top of the pandemic we've gone through. What kind of uh, specialized training or specialized areas are needed? Uh, a lot of areas, especially in the area of trauma, uh, informed practice sort of thing at all, because there's quite a number of individuals that have been seeking out treatment, uh, that there's only so much capacity in the system at all. That's an area that really needs to be focused on at all. And I think, you know, also the perspective of, um, you know, teaching individuals sometimes the degree of uh, resilience and, and determination. I know sometimes when people are at their darkest, and, you know, I've been there, many people have been there at all. Sometimes it's also that personal responsibility that people need to um, need to get help and, and need to move forward. You know, every day there's an opportunity to make the day better than it was before. It's individual choices along with the great uh, supports in, in, uh, in the system. Uh, you mentioned the need for uh, specifically for trauma, and, and that just brought up uh, to my mind there. You know, we talk a lot about uh, uh, some of the specialized needs in the indigenous communities that um, are around the province uh, here on the island or especially up in Labrador. Um, and, of course, one of the issues uh, with that, uh, that that would tie in, of course, would being, uh, be dealing with the intergenerational trauma uh, that um, indigenous uh, people throughout the province would be dealing with. Uh, 
how do you think that we're doing in, in dealing specifically with uh, the province's indigenous uh, communities and some of the supports that we have there? Well, I think uh, it's probably improved compared to what it was. But again, like all other parts of the mental health system, uh, we probably need more resources in, in that area at all. Um, it, you know, intergenerational trauma, I say, does not just exclusively to the indigenous population at all. I mean, there's a high percentage of, you know, people that are Caucasians and have gone through that as well. So, you know, I just think the resources need to be there for, for the population. And, you know, you can't also uh, forget the, the immigrants that have come in at all, you know, in terms of uh, coming out of situations of the Ukraine and elsewhere in terms of uh, conflict and war. So uh, I think that's where the governments need to and regional health and health authorities in general need to invest uh, to have more people in uh, trauma informed practice. And specifically, you mentioned immigrants there. Uh, and of course, over the last year, we've seen the influx of immigrants coming from war torn areas such as Ukraine. Um, given, you know, the strain that's on the system right now, especially in terms of mental health, is the province able to adequately deal with some of the severe trauma? I mean, stuff that we, you know, so- someone like me can't even imagine coming from a war-torn country. Are we adequately prepared to be able to deal with some of those challenges when we have uh, an influx of, of immigrants or refugees coming in uh, from an area like Ukraine? Well, I would say it's probably not to what it can be sort of thing at all because, you know, many people who've lived in this country and this province have not experienced that. So unless they haven't had the training as, as healthcare or mental health professionals in the system at all, maybe a specialty of, of uh, education needs to be uh, dedicated for that population because they're uh, dealing with a, a lot of issues as well. And now, too, I wanted to touch on uh, specifically, uh, we've been talking about education, uh, specifically mental health education in, in the schools and in the K-12 system. Um, when I was preparing for the show today, I was thinking back to when I was in the public school system, which was well over a decade ago now. I remember, you know, uh, mental health was talked about, but I don't remember too much on like a formalized education about it. Um, how do you think we're doing in terms of getting that message out in the schools and the K-12 uh, system now? Yeah, I kind of look back, and I'm possibly, you know, a bit older than you at all, Richard, but like, we never had the, uh, the degree that's what is offered today. But I think ultimately they need to do more and maybe make a compulsory uh, thing for graduation that there's a whole health section uh, dedicated to mental health because I think through a course of a life, as the Mental Health Commission of Canada said, by uh, the time that an individual reaches the age of 40, one in two people will be dealing with some sense of mental illness or mental health challenge sort of thing. So I think that needs to be incorporated into the education system ASAP. Are there conversations going on about that? or Is that something that you've been advocating with government or there have been conversations around? Uh, I've, I've had some conversations around that with government and uh, we'll have some continuing conversations that uh, it's uh, you know going to go forward sort of thing at all. And I think they will be taken under advisement. But uh, it, it's critical to have that part because, I mean, if people are going to school and learning the basic fundamentals of reading, writing, arithmetic and, you know, the other aspects that they need for an education, health is an important aspect of overall well-being at all and as you know eastern health slogan is healthy people healthy communities well that needs to uh, reflect in the education system why is it important to get that message out uh, to the younger population that you just touched on a little bit there uh, i think it's critical because i think when the younger population is educated it 
when people are challenged with their mental illness or the mental health challenge or an addiction issue at all, uh, people will be a lot more understanding and accepting versus being judgmental and stigmatizing sort of thing. So I think the earliest you can from the point of after a child is born, the parents, the caregivers, the, the siblings around are, are educated right from the get-go sort of thing so that the kids can grow up into a healthy uh, happy environment at all and not to be uh, fearful or shamed because they're dealing with a thing because again as I think somebody inside Eastern Health has said there in, in another media interview last week or last or yesterday uh, that uh, health is health if it's mental health whatever so you know it should be should be a priority and uh, expanding on that a little bit what kind of a role can parents play in ensuring good mental health for their kids uh, I think they they should model, uh, you know, good behavior because if, if the parents are struggling and they don't seek out treatment or help at all, uh, you know, as the old adage, uh, you know, the thing doesn't fall farther from the tree, the branches doesn't fall far from the tree. So, like, you know, if, if parents are having issues, they're going to seek support, more than likely the children will at all, you know. And it's the same thing, as I always keep saying, in this day of this te- technology at all, you know, we're all in these very busy occupations and, and, and other commitments in, in the community at all. But, you know, sit down and have conversations with your kids at all. Put the phones, the tablets, the laptops away for a period of time at all. All that will be done in due course. Time is very precious at all. People's wellness is very precious sort of thing. So kind of, you know, Go back to kind of a similar time when I think myself and many others like yourself grew up and uh, just, you know, be there for each other at all. I think that would model uh, good wellness in young people. And especially too, you know, I'm I'm a parent myself. I have an, an eight-year-old son. And one of the things that I've been doing uh, ever since, you know, he started school and I, you know, I come home from work and I pick him up from daycare. And, you know, one of the things, first things I usually always ask him is, you know, how was your day? Did you have a good day? And, you know, if he says, yeah, great. And if, if he says, no, it wasn't that good. Well, then I ask, you know, why, why wasn't it a good day? And, you know, we, it, I, I think what I'm, what I'm getting at with that point is, and uh, I'll, I'll get you to comment on it as well, is that it doesn't need to be a big complicated conversation you can just you know even just casually asking someone about how their day was i guess is is a good way to get the mental get the conversation rolling about mental health especially at that young age yeah, almost definitely at all. I mean, I think we all, as, as human beings, have challenging days sort of thing. No, that doesn't mean that we're going through a really bad anxiety issue or depression issue sort of thing. And, you know, just, I think, being open and being honest and uh, knowing that, you know, if you've got things that are lingering on, that you need help sort of thing. So I just think, you know, the more that we can be transparent with each other, be uh, understanding and patient with each other at all versus coming to, you know, because sometimes, you know, we all come quick to, uh, you know, judge things or you know sometimes go off the handle as you know the old uh, adage or the sleigh or the 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 term is said in Newfoundland at all I just think we need to be kind with each other at all and kindness will uh, always prevail well said Glenn Royal we're up against the last break of the day right now and we're going to continue this conversation now coming up after these messages Got plans for midnight? Bring your VOCM along with the best soundtrack for every night, anywhere. The VOCM All Night Show, midnight on your VOCM. 
Well, good afternoon and welcome back to the show. Richard Duggan here in the studio today. Uh, Linda Swain is off. Uh, she will be back tomorrow, however, hopefully. Uh, joining me today on the program is Glenn Royal, uh, mental health advocate. Of course, today is Bell Let's Talk Day, so we're putting the focus on mental health and uh, sort of what people need to do to uh, stay healthy mentally. And, and uh, Glenn, I, I, I guess that would be my first question. You know, what are some of the things that people can do to keep their minds healthy and to keep themselves you know where they should be well I think it's important to engage with family and friends uh, that are supportive sort of thing at all I think it's also very critical to get out and get exercise uh, like I said earlier about that vitamin D you know where a lot of people in northern uh, uh, climates like Newfoundland don't get that at that access uh, also uh, you know be cautious and be uh, educating yourself in terms of what people eat uh, because that can affect people's wellness sort of thing at all. And more importantly, the most critical thing, as I've said to many people when I speak and, and many others have said to me, it's sleep. Because if people do not have their proper sleep at all, it affects all other aspects of their ability to function, if it's work, school, or so on and so forth. And I think sleep is something that uh, particularly suffers for a lot of people, whether that be students or, you know, parents who are only getting a couple hours of sleep a night. I, I, I find that, you know, when I talk to a lot of people just throughout my everyday, you know, it's for a, a lot of people, it's, oh, you know, I'm running on three hours sleep last night or I'm running on fumes. And I, I think that's an important one that a lot of people sometimes, it you know, if if their lives are busy or whatever, that's sort of the, the one that often gets pushed to the side is, is that sleep aspect. No, most definitely sort of thing. And people say that they catch up. And at the end of the day, you know, like, again, we all have very busy lives. But, you know, you have to prioritize your health. At the end of the day, work will always be there. School will always be there. Work will always be there at all. But, you know, we, as I heard a statement from a uh, billionaire investor, investor uh, Warren Buffett said uh, to a group of graduating students in the United States a couple of years ago, you get one mind and you get one body. And if you want to live a long, healthy life, you need to take care of that. And I think when I heard that message, I said, that's so critical. And I said, when I get an opportunity to speak to, to the public and, and to media at all, I said, I've got to get that message out at all. Um, another thing that I, that I wanted to touch on, and, uh, you know, you mentioned there about what, when, in talking about what people can do to help keep their minds healthy, you know, you mentioned interaction with family and friends. And I think during the pandemic, we put sort of a spotlight on social isolation because that was a real big thing, especially during the really, you know, dark, dark days of the pandemic where we were confined to just our households and, and, and those interactions. And again, that, that has sort of branched off, uh, you know, even to a continuing conversation about seniors uh, who may be isolated. How important is it for us to put a focus on, on that aspect of mental health in terms of uh, uh, social isolation? Oh, absolutely. Um, and I think that's what has kind of triggered a lot more issues because, uh, as I've said in previous interviews, I think like myself, who's dealt with social anxiety at some point in my life at all, you know, some of people like myself and others that have challenged with that we've had tools to get through the pandemic but when everything went down to the initial lockdown in 2020 um, a lot of people didn't and social connection is critical for people's wellness sort of thing at all and like you say you know you could be doing stuff safely through that pandemic through the pandemic or the endemic as we're dealing with now you know out and and uh, you know moving around or connect via technology at all because uh, you know it's very critical uh, to, to stay well because nobody heals in isolation, the healing community. And I guess, you know, we, we talk a lot about 
the detriments of social media uh, to people's mental health because you know we we look at look at life through a computer screen and we see sort of these perfect uh, versions of, of of ourselves that people put out online and it's been talked about before about you know the negative effect that people that that can have on people's mental health but I think we just touched on sort of the flip side of that and I guess the positive um, of technology today and the positive of social media is that you know, through especially as we saw through uh, the pandemic, the ability to have Zoom calls with people who are far away. I think, uh, you know, technology sort of bringing people together and, and showing the, the benefits, I guess, that that can have for people's mental health. Whereas if this pandemic had hit 30 years ago, and you were isolated to your house, you know, you wouldn't have had been able to have that same level of connection. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Technology played a critical perspective of keeping people well, because people could connect over Zoom and all the other various FaceTime and other social media platforms at all. So, you know, kind of blessing in disguise, but at the same time, uh, like you say, uh, you know, I think like a lot of the doctors and pediatric physicians have said that, uh, you know, you need to reduce the screen time for children, but also uh, adults need to do the same thing. Oh, absolutely. And, and like I mentioned, you know, just get, getting away from that, you know, because people, a lot of the time, the posts are about the good things in people's lives. And that could sort of make us feel a bit bad if we're going through a struggle um, in our own lives. So it's good to sort of, uh, I guess, disconnect from that. Um, Glenn, uh, we have about six minutes left uh, to the program now. And uh, I wanted to touch on the health accord because there's a lot in there about mental health and, and, um, I guess some recommendations there about how we can improve the system. Um, where are we right now with uh, some of those recommendations and, and where do you see things going now moving forward? Well, I think, uh, you know, there was some critical uh, work that uh, Sister Davis and Dr. Parfrey done through the accord, but I think the critical thing that uh, comes out of that uh, work is the recommendation on a guaranteed basic income or guaranteed livable income for uh, the most vulnerable uh, population out there at all. And I think that's where the priority is to figure out all this because as, as uh, people like Jody Williams at uh, Bridge of the Hope and, and Salvation Army and the, the Gathering Place have said, how many more people now are showing up because they cannot get the basic essentials of food and food is a basic human right. So I think that's where government needs to go along with the issues of affordable housing and safe housing at all and the ability for people to uh, enter the, the work, work workforce and, and uh, upgrade their education uh, because if that is not tackled now, we're going to have an even bigger issue down the road. You know, it's great that we can invest in oil uh, projects and wind projects and all this, and that's all great for, for the environment and for the economy at all. But there's a large percentage of the population that are out there struggling, and not to say that middle class that have been struggling at all, and the same thing with the cost of living checks that were uh, uh, delivered by the governments and various governments across the country at all. Uh, as many experts have said, they need to be mean-tested and evaluated and giving to the people that need it so much, not the people that are sitting in affluent positions. And you touched on it a bit there, but what sort of a correlation is there between mental health and uh, provincial poverty, po poverty rates? Well, I think it's uh, the perspective at all, like I said to you uh, previously there in the interview today, is that uh, 
when people don't have the basic necessities of life at all, their mental health will start to spiral. And not just the perspective of their basic needs, but it can also have relationship breakdowns at all that could lead to domestic violence, which again, like I said, the issue is not just health issues, but you know, to criminal justice issues sort of thing. So it's, it's a high correlation. And I think this file needs to be actioned highly as the most highest priority on the system outside of uh, retention and uh, recruitment for healthcare professionals at all, because uh, I'm worried and concerned as we go into a potential recession uh, that, you know, the divide of the rich and poor are going to get wider and thicker at all. And it's only going to be causing much more stress. I mean, it's no different as we go to the grocery store or pick up any kind of services and see the increased prices, especially in food at all. And, and that needs to be tackled now at all. I don't think that people need to go in and pay a fortune for, uh, you know, the basic necessities to live in life at all. Uh, at, at the peril of their mental health. We had a story there a couple of weeks ago about um, provincial shelters being at you know at capacity and you know uh, people having to be turned away because uh, there is just no room from your lens of mental health. What do you what goes through your mind when you hear about situations like that? Uh, very disturbing and very concerned due to the fact that. Uh, there's so many people needing of this service sort of thing at all. So it goes back to the investment and the priorities of, of this government and the Canadian government to invest so people can have safe, affordable places to live. Because again, as, as, as Patty Daly has said, you know, the most expensive nights that people either be in, in, into a healthcare facility or into a correctional facility uh, due to the fact that uh, there's so many people got so many issues at all. And it's 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 sad, and it's 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 it needs to be dealt with now. We're living in 2023; it's not 1923 at all. We know the issues, we know the problems, the solutions are out there at all. It's now the political will of government to make those decisions and make those decisions today, not down the road. Glenn Royal, we have just about a minute left to the program. Is there anything else that you'd like to say or any other messages that you'd like to get out there uh, before we have to go? Uh, I would like to say thank you again for the opportunity to speak to you and your listeners, Richard at all. Um, just to say, um, keep the pressure on of the importance of mental health with your elected officials at all. Whatever, whatever you know, from uh, municipal, provincial, and federal at all, uh, take care of each other uh, because you know we're all going through various battles and challenges at uh, many times, and it's uh, you know it's an important aspect, and hopefully in due course mental health will come to its right age as other aspects of health and uh, that issue on uh, basic income can happen so uh, that everybody can live the best quality of life everybody has one life um, you know we all have stuff to contribute at all just just be there reduce the judgment reduce the stigma and and be kind with each other well said glenn royal really appreciate your time today thank you for this Thank you very much. Just a brief throw to my sister's birthday today. So happy birthday to Jennifer as well. There you go. Glenn Royal, a mental health advocate. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in to the program today, everyone. Really appreciate this. And before I let you go again, just on the topic of mental health, if you are uh, going through a struggle right now or if you feel like uh, you need some support, please reach out. Uh, there are a bunch of services out there that you can avail of. Uh, everyone needs to keep their mental health top priority. All right, that's it for me today. Thank you so much. Jolene is coming up next with the news. Have a great day, everyone.